Hi there, Giel here. We're back with a brand new episode of Can You Feel It? It's amazing to see how many of you are listening all over the world, uh, from Colombia to Hong Kong, Korea, uh, um, Ireland, uh, France, Egypt. The top three is uh, the Netherlands, United Kingdom, and the number one is United States. Nice to see on all the reactions. Great, great, great. Leave comments under the YouTube video and uh, feel free to uh, get us a rating at iTunes. That's pretty good for the podcast itself, I heard. And if you have any suggestions for the playlist, uh, the house playlist with classic house tracks, or who should be my next guest, leave it. My Twitter is G-I-E-L-S. Today... In this fifth episode, we've got Don Diablo, recorded in his own brand new studio here in Amsterdam. And he's telling a lot of stories. His first gig went to a violent one. It's a real heavy story. Uh, He's not only the founding father of Future House, as you probably know, but also the founding father of Hardstyle. He's going to tell about it. And he explains why he's more an artist than a DJ. And besides that, he's a great guy. Enjoy Don Diablo. Can you feel it? Feel it? Can you feel it? It's the music of millions of people all over the world. Electronic dance music. In Holland, we call it house music. It was my history. It was my youth. These were my records. Who am I? I'm Giel Beelen, a Dutch radio DJ. And I want to share and explore my musical history with you, together with the biggest DJs. As you probably know, most of them come from Holland. Why is that? This little country in the west of Europe. And how did they all start? Can you feel it? The story of a Dutch DJ from the bedroom to the festival. Check this out. This is going to be a dance trip down memory lane. Start tuning. <laughs> Mic drop. Uh, hi there. Uh, thanks for listening and welcome. Don Diablo. Or Big Don, what's uh Big Don? No, I mean, that's... No comment. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing right I can say about that that, that my mom is going to like. So let's just keep it at a hi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great uh, entrance. I already <laughs> like this interview. Love it. Let's go. Uh, our native language is uh, Dutch, of course, but for this uh, podcast, we'll speak English, or at least I will try. Uh, but just for our Dutch listeners, what is your favorite Nederlandse gerecht? Oeh, uh, ja, mijn moeder is uh, Indisch, dus dan uh, mag oh. ik Nederlands-Indisch zijn. Ja, ja, ja. Gewoon die hele rijstafel. Let's go. Oké. Okay. Wat, is, wat is rijstafel eigenlijk in het Engels? Um, poeh, geen idee. Dat is niet rice table, denk ik. Nee. Nee. Um, Goeie vraag aan de luisteraars. Nee, okay. All right, uh, let's start with uh, the EDM, the earliest dance memory. Uh, so do you remember the first time uh, you heard house music? Oh, wow. Um, I do actually. Uh, remember, I was maybe, I think I was eight years old, and my dad is like a big music aficionado. So he actually met, he, he named me after Captain Beefheart, who was a, uh, an amazing musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, his name was Don Van Fleet. He was American, which sounds very Dutch, Van Fleet. Yeah. But um, so music was a big thing for us. Um, and I remember one day he came home after work. And his car drew, kind of pulled up to the driveway, and I, I saw my mom. Uh, she was uh, working, and I looked through the window. My dad was sitting in the car, and it was like five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. I'm like, how long is he gonna stay in the car? <laughs> so I walked to the car, and I, I, as I approached the car, I heard like these 
weird sounds that I'd never heard before. So I was like, I opened the door, it was... Yeah, yeah. So I closed it again and I looked at my father and we didn't speak and he had this cassette tape that had a smiley on it. Um, so I just pointed at that cassette. He's like, and he just gave, you know, gave it like a thumbs up. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what is... So I was holding this magical cassette tape, um, looking at this smiley and I looked at him and he looked at me and we're like, oh, this is... Oh, this is cool. Like, what is this? Yeah. Something fresh, something new. I said, like, how the, how the hell do you make this stuff? Like, what kind of band is that? And then, uh, yeah, I remember that was my first ever sort of coming across of electronic music. It yeah. was very... Uh, and if you had any idea what kind of song it was or what kind of artist or... I don't know. I remember like it was like a an acid house. Yeah, tape. yeah, yeah. So of course. It was Because a- now uh, for uh, the young listeners, we see smileys every day on your phone, but... Yeah. Uh, the the one smile used to be uh well the 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 sign of of acid house yeah it's the, the emoji that ruled them all yeah basically. exactly yeah <laughs> the yeah so yeah i think that's where it started okay. i think that was the symbol of dance music but that was even before my time like that tape was made way before like i think you know at the end of the 70s beginning of the 80s yeah there was already like a rich history and i i had already missed that by then of but course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my dad was the one who introduced me by accident he didn't know that but yeah and 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 how did you really got involved with house music because well you were a dj uh, at the age of 14 or something oh well i start i'm i was making uh i started out making uh videos for people so i i went to these events and i was hired when i was like 12 13 i had like a little video studio um with chroma key and everything okay um but more like a vj or making video clips no like making uh after movies yeah, and music yeah. videos okay. so yeah so that's how i started and then i was like um got infected by this music while i was go- going to these parties I was like oh this is pretty dope i had no idea how to make it uh, so i started making these short films um sort of recreational and then i It's like mm, I need to. I have this scene, but I don't have the perfect music for it. So I started thinking, like, how the hell do we make music? So I was started looking for a band, or like, well, yeah. you know, if there were people that I could make music with. So I started asking around in my village. Nobody really wanted to work with me, so I was alone. And then I came across the idea of like, hey, you can make music with a computer nowadays, right? So, um, and this is where it gets like crazy because nowadays, obviously, you just make music with your laptop. Yeah. But Then I was like, oh, snap. So I think I bought an Atari. Yeah, okay. Um, and then you have an Atari, but the Atari doesn't do anything. No. So I needed a, a sampler to trigger like actual sounds. I needed a drum computer. I needed a synthesizers. I even needed like, if I wanted a reverb or a delay, like, yeah. um, you know, I needed to buy reverb units, yeah. delay units. So I was like, wow, this is getting complicated. <laughs> yeah. And then all these sounds needed to run through a mixer. Yeah. Uh, and that needed to be a physical mixer. So not a mixer on your screen yeah. for the producer, for young producers listening. So uh, I think I was like 12 or something. So I tried to make sense of all of this. Um, and that's kind of when I started experimenting. Um, but I didn't have any money. So I was like... Um, Washing dishes, um, washing people's windows. Yeah. I worked in a nude sauna. Like I did all these crazy <laughs> things, and then I was like, "What am I doing? I can actually uh, maybe like throw raves locally." So I started to do that, and then I think it was 13. I, I started to make a lot of money. So I was like, "Oh wow!" So I could buy all this equipment. Started building a real studio, and my you mom invested it all in. in oh yeah. Yeah, 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 and literally didn't go outside anymore. And no. I think between age. <laughs> 13 and upwards um 
you know, when I was 14, I released my first record. So that's how it started. And you were uh, f- first a producer, so uh, you didn't buy records uh, during that time. I didn't even know that that was possible. I didn't know how that all, how all of no, that no, worked. Okay. So that was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm making music. And then um, I sent, actually a friend of mine sent it to a label and uh, I got a phone call. My mom was like, hey, there's someone on the phone. Yeah. And they were like, I'm going, we're, we want to release this. So I was like, okay, so release it, you know, like <laughs> no yeah. idea what that means, yeah. but it sounds great. Um, and then um, I think, yeah, and in the beginning I was making productions for other people. Yeah. Because I didn't know, how, I didn't really know how that worked. I was like, oh, this is this guy, you know, he, he will put his name on it. I was like, fine, like I'm making a lot of music anyway. So I was like from trance to hardcore to drum and bass to hip hop to like chemical beats at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, fine, as long as it gets released, I don't know what to do with it anyway. I live in this small village. And then one day my mom's like, um, so so what happens with all that music that you make? Um, and it was like a box of like vinyls and CDs, you know, in my uh, bedroom. It's like, I don't know, it gets, you know, they put it on these things and then <laughs> people wow. buy it or not. I'm not sure. But she's like, but shouldn't you be like be getting like like money for it or something? I was like, I don't I don't know. Like, I think I signed some oh my God. some paperwork in the beginning <laughs> oh, where it was shit. like, um, you know, I signed, you know, a, a contract. So she was like, okay, shouldn't we be looking into this? So it turned out I actually signed like a strangle contract. Of course, yeah. So I was like, at the age of 14, I was signed for like the rest of my life. Oh my God. So, and then uh, I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> what do I do now? So, so we were talking about getting lawyers involved. And then I was like, hmm, but... I'm 14, like shouldn't my parents like co-sign? But they didn't realize that. So that was my first experience. I got out of the contract. I was like, damn, this music industry, it's uh, it's, uh, it's heinous. Yeah. You have to be careful. Yeah, well, there will be some more lessons you learned. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, in the <laughs> but that's how I got involved with yeah, electronic yeah, yeah. music. But for me at first, it was like, I really just wanted to make as much music as I could yeah. because... I didn't know which genres I was gonna. But are there still productions on on what name, whatever, uh, online or uh, yeah? Oh, that's funny that you say that because uh, I remember one time I had this bet with a friend. He was like, uh, "Oh, like so, you know, like a big techno aficionado. Yeah. Everything was techno. Uh, so I was I was inferior. This is the way it works in dance music, right? So you've like, it's like on the far right you have all the techno stuff, like yeah. you're, you know." Difficult haircuts, like high pants, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. mustaches, if possible. So yeah. it's like all super More cool. More the alternative. Yeah, and yeah. on the far left is like you know, like Gabber and Hardstyle, like super house. not cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's like that's how it was like divided, like back then. Whereas, like in my opinion, it's just all like rattling computers, like and it's like either it hits you or it doesn't. So I was like, so what do you mean? Like my music is inferior, so techno is the best thing in the world. Uh, so it's like, who's like the best techno DJ in the world right now? It's like Carl Cox, uh, Laurent Gagnier. These are trendsetters. They are, you mm-hmm. know, they understand the real electronic music. So I was like, cool. So give me two hours. So I went back into my uh, little bedroom studio and I was like behind my computer. And I came up with this uh, name, um, Dave Mitchell. So like, he had a little history. He was like, uh, it was black, obviously, because, you know, white people can't really make no, that no. sort of real good tech. You just made it up. For, yeah, for I made it up. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. he was like a, a black guy, like a super talented <laughs> black guy who lived in uh, Detroit. Okay, of course. Um, and so I put it out and uh, I think a month later, I get a phone call from the label. They were like, so uh, I'm not going to say what happened, but then I called my friend in and I was like, oh, so you see this Laurent Gagnier compilation? Yeah. 
um, it's uh, you'll check it out. So he's like, oh yeah, I actually have it. It's super sick. So he's like, who do you think Dave Mitchell is? No. And he's wow. like, that's your boy. That's the track I made when I went into the studio for two hours. And he was like, okay, mind blown. Yeah. Like music is in the ear of the beholder, especially with electronic music. I wow. love techno. I love drum and bass, and it's and that Dave Mitchell track is still uh, available. Actually, so I found it on YouTube. Okay. If you type in da Dave Mitchell, uh, I think one of them is, is called Excel, and the other one is called The Search. I don't know. And it's got like three hundred views or something because it was like yeah. ten years after date, and it, those records didn't do much. No. You know, post uh, YouTube era. Um, but yeah, they're actually like a lot of that music is is online, and it's like nobody actually knows that's me. But I think there's at least. 60 to 70 records out there that people have no idea of it's me um so that's a bit of a scavenge hunt i guess that's great easter eggs uh, yeah exactly yeah and and what were your own uh heroes in in or do you did you have heroes in 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 well, production land yeah um actually the way i started out first was just like with cassette tapes because cassette tapes going back and forth and yeah. then i started there wasn't really anything uh i didn't have a mentor around me no and in holland uh it was pretty much all like trance music yeah trance music or uh gabber hardcore yeah so um i wanted to do something different so um i think one of the first producers that wasn't maybe necessarily a dj that i that came from my country that uh sort of inspired me was uh junkie xl yeah um First, he had an album. I think it was called Saturday Teenage Kicks. Yeah. Had a poster on my wall. You know, the whole attitude. You know, he, he played all these instruments. He wasn't. Yeah, just... it was well real music. Uh, yeah, it was real, real music. Yeah, yeah. But very electronic at the yeah. same time. So yeah. I got in. I got into you know through like the Chemical Brothers, the Prodigy, yeah. Underworld. Groove Amada, Basement Jacks. Mm -hmm. So it was like kind of like because I came from um, from listening to rock music, you know, Rage Against the Machine, um, all these kind of like more, I guess, yeah, rock orientated orientated bands. And then um, I think the band that the the music that I remember from an earliest age is Queen. So I had like all of their um, all of the whatever like vinyls, CDs. Yeah, yeah cassette tapes i used to drive on my bike i used to go like i i rode the bike like for two hours to the next big city to buy the new uh cd so bicycle bicycle. that was the listen <laughs> song i listened to absolutely or uh, don't stop me yeah, now. Yeah, yeah that's like the soundtrack of uh, my youth wow um and then i remember all of a sudden there was like um another one bites the dust so oh yeah it's like oh this is weird like what is it because to me that was probably maybe the earliest sort of dance record it's not a dance record but no. it is at it's the almost disco of course it is yeah. disco yeah because there were like loops and the song was yeah. like six or seven minutes long and there were like these parts with like like, like all of these dubby elements mm -hmm. um so that was kind of the first um array for me into dance music coming from rock music and uh yeah i think bands like that they were actually they were never really credited for playing a part of the electronic scene, but I think 
indirectly they were playing a big Absolutely. role. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But during that time, uh, so you never went to uh, house parties or or. Man, I was like 13, so yeah, <laughs> I, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even allowed in. I think no. um, the raves that I was throwing, I, I lied because I said I was 18 because the things I were do, was doing, like, you can't do that when you're 13, to no. be honest. Like, no. I'm not talking about drugs or anything, but I no. think, like, the amounts of money. I remember I put my mom at the door. Uh, she was, like, behind the register, and my brother was, like, the bouncer. <laughs> and it's, like, it literally, like, like they were, like, thousands of euros. Like, I had this suitcase filled with cash wow. that I came home with, and I was, like, 13, so I had all I had all this cash under my bed, and I just kept buying equipment. And you know, it's like something you don't really do when you're 13. No. Um, and I think that's where I kind of like um, things open up for me. And then as I remember, one day I took uh, a teenager tour, yeah, <laughs> to uh, Rotterdam. <laughs> I was like, oh snap! So I went to Rotterdam, and there there I went to my first record store, and I. I remember seeing Paul Elstock. Yeah, yeah. He just yeah, had a record yeah, out, Life is Like a Dance. Yeah. Life is like, life's like a dance. So I was like, oh snap. Like that's the guy I bought the, I bought his record and he's just, he's there. Yeah. Pretty my mind blown. So I had him sign the record. Um and that was like, you know, kind of like me discovering all types of different electronic music. And I wasn't performing because I didn't, I didn't even know how that worked. No, I you mean, were just a producer and yeah. I mean, even like, like beat syncing two records was like, I didn't even, I remember buying my first two t turntables. I was like, okay, so now I have two turntables. You don't even know, there's no internet, so you don't hook up. No, how it's it like works, a, no. How, how do I hook up, oh, Wow. Uh, you know, a, a vinyl player into a mixer? Okay, so... I then figured out that one goes left, the other one goes right, and then you just open both <laughs> yeah. faders, and what happens then? And then all of a sudden, I remember like I like one of them like was at the same tempo. I was like, "Oh snap, this sounds good." It's like there's no train crash like anymore. Like no, so I was like, "Oh, maybe they should be at the same tempo." And that's how I discovered like you know I think learning how to DJ with vinyl is like when you kind of like you do everything by ear. Yeah, now everything. Every everyone does everything by looking at it, you know, like it's different. Yeah. Um, so I think that's when you really kind of just, be, you know, become you learn how to be a be a DJ. Yeah. And and do you still remember uh, your well, or one of your first gigs? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> that's the whole story. No, I'll try to make it short. So my first gig was like, uh, obviously, like a lot of kids right now, they're like, hey, I can't get bookings. And that's logical because of nobody course, yeah. knows who you are. Yeah. So it was the same for me. How I got my first bookings was by organizing my own events. And then these uh, promoters came to me like from a, you know, a neighborly village. They're like, hey, you're doing these events. We want to do the same thing in our venue. Can you help us? And I was like, cool, but you got to book me. Um, so I booked a couple of bigger DJs and uh, put myself on the flyer. And so I arrived there and uh, obviously I wasn't responsible for promotion. So it's like, wow, there's like eight people here. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And then it turned out these guys were pretty shady. That's an understatement. Okay. So I, I walked into this venue and I was like, this is not, you know, this is going to be tricky. So I was like, hey, I went into the back office. Like, can I get some, uh, I need I need my money basically. Because yeah. I... I paid for the flyers. I advanced some of the, you know, pre pre fees yeah, yeah. for the artist, uh, and I, I have my fee. So 
they looked at me and long story short, they put a gun to my head. No. Yes. And while that was happening, I saw like this table that all like filled with cocaine and oh. people were snorting coke and they were like, there were prostitutes there. So I was like, you know, I was like 14 years old. So I was like, ooh, what's going on here? And um, so I got threatened and uh, and then they turned around because something happened, something fell off the table. And as that happened, I did a, um, I, I grabbed, I put my hand into the cash register and grabbed like just a bundle of money, put it in my pocket Shit. quickly. And then I walked out. And as I walked out, I walked by these bouncers with my um, vinyl case in my hand. And then I said like, I, I guess I, you know, like something like, oh, thank you for the amazing night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as that happened, they looked at me and they said all kinds of unpleasant things. And they literally kicked me off the stairs. So I, as oh, I laid there man. on the floor, I got, and they kicked the shit out of me. And I was just laying there bleeding. And I remember one of my best friends was with me, actually my best friend. And I saw him running away in the corner of my eye. So to me, it wasn't really about the first gig. It was kind of like discovering like how, you know, how does friendship work? How hard is, you know, how how tough can the world be out there? And I remember um, that was a really a big lesson for me. I was like, damn, I don't think this dance music industry is something for me. No, I can imagine. You know, uh, I lost everything I had and they they confiscated my records, something I worked on for like a full year and I put all my savings in that. So that was my first gig. So it was fun. Oh my god! And 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 and. Uh, oh, you want to hear like the the no, first no, proper no. show? It actually wasn't my first show. I think the first show after that was like, um, first show that wasn't one of my own shows was like, um, I I got discovered in, uh, in the UK. So. But uh, so that 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 uh, that was really bad uh, trip first gig. Was there uh, already Don Diablo on the flyer, or was it done? Oh, no. Uh, no, no, no. It said, uh, "Oh God." <laughs> Okay. It said the speed raver. The speed raver? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, like, uh, yeah, I like... But to... I think I even got a final with speed raver. You might. <laughs> I don't know if that is it. Uh, that's that's pretty uh, broad, but I don't even know. Okay. Uh, no, I think... Yeah, no, I think that's... The, the, no, correction. The Speed Raver was like... They were like my first shows, but by yeah. that time when I was doing those shows, it was Don Diablo. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah absolutely. My first shows were as the Speed Raver. And then somebody said to me like, so how do I call you? Speed or Mr. Raver? <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's probably not going to work. And by that time, I had like 30 different names because it was like... All the productions, yeah. Yeah, from, I don't know, Batteries Not Included, Fast Forward, The Raven, Don Diablo was one of them, you know, like one out of 30 names. So... Um, and then someone said like, so Don, I was like, Hey, yeah, that's my name. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I properly signed to a label, they were like, you gotta start using this Don Diablo name. So that's where, yeah. you know, that's how it came about. So what was the first nice gig that you thought, Oh my God, the, 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 I, I'm, yeah, people are enjoying it. And, and, uh, yeah. Um, it was a show in the UK in Leicester. Yeah. Because I remember I was making, um, I started out, like, I think the thing that I did, like, that I was most successful with in the beginning was making Gabber slash hardcore music. I was doing trance, I was doing all these other sounds, but, um, and I remember I, I wanted to, like, I had all these different aliases, and I remember there was a magazine called Thunderdome Magazine, Yeah. and I was on the new Thunderdome, which is like a whole thing back yeah, then. Yeah, it was a big thing, yeah. Um, but I put out so much music because it was so productive that I had all these different aliases even within the same genres. Yeah. So remember, <laughs> at a certain point, you had the hardcore top 10. That was in the top 40, little, this little magazine yeah, yeah, that you yeah. had. And I had like three records in the top five under three different names. Wow. Um, 
so people started saying like hey don diablo are you would you ever collab with the raven because you know he's sound is quite close but like it's different it's you know your label mates i'm like sure so i i did this thing where i said goodbye to the hardcore scene and i did this big interview in thunderdome magazine and that's when i kind of shifted and started experimenting with other sounds and uh publicly and then um yeah that's kind of like where i started playing around with all of these different names and i remember as i was saying goodbye uh, i'd never actually really performed that sound as a dj so this English sort of really underground dark club um, approached me and I said, we want to book you. And I said, cool, but then you need to get me a gig where I can play my new music as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got me, uh, so I did the one, the first one, I was like, yeah, I mean, pretty underwhelming. But then I was, uh, I did the other one and I was like uh, at a club called uh, Passion uh, in Manchester. And um, yeah, that was, that was crazy because like I was playing my music I saw people dancing. Yeah. That was like a whole new experience uh, to me. And and now we are at 16, 17 or something? 16? I don't know, uh, your age? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I was, yeah, I think I was 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. So I, oh, I was wow. 16 and and and, and um, yeah, I remember somebody was in the audience and he was like, oh, you're you're a pretty decent DJ. Do you want to, do you want a residency? Um so, oh no, the club in Manchester was called Tangled. Okay. And the club in, uh, there was somebody from a club called uh, Passion at the time, which was one of the super clubs in the UK and didn't realize that. He was like, do you want a residency? Play with us every month. And by that time you had like, Ferry Corson was like super yeah. big. Jesto was big. Armin from Buren, they yeah. were all like big DJs. And I was like the rookie. So I started uh, flying out with him. I was sitting in the back of the plane. I saw the big guys in the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, watching the masses at work. And that's kind of, those were my first shows in the UK uh, in a club called Passion. And that's, uh, yeah, that's, those, those, were the, those were the days. And I think back then you had like DJ Mac, Mix Mac. They were like big magazines mm. that everybody was still reading. Um, and you had all these ads. So I think all the other super clubs saw these ads and they were like all these big names. And then mm -hmm. a guy called Don Diablo. So they started booking me in other clubs in the UK, like Gatecrasher, Ministry yeah, of Sound, yeah, yeah. God's Kitchen. Yeah. And they started branching out abroad. So like, you know, you started playing uh, somewhere in Asia for the same brand. And that's how I got my first gigs. And I, I had, up until then, I think I was already DJing for three, four years. I didn't, I never played in the Netherlands. Wow. So, yeah. So I had my breakthrough through the UK. Yeah. And, 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 and can you take us back to uh, how the scene was? during that time in the early days because well those still were the early days of course uh, like you mentioned the the, the big three that uh, became became big yeah but it wasn't that well organized and it was it was quite a new phenomenon the whole house music industry um yes it would i mean it was magical you know yeah. like you had this sort of um there was like nowadays every you can reach everything is like everybody wants to know everything about everyone and you have to be very careful about what you say, what you do, where mm -hmm. you go, how you yeah. look. And back then it was just all about the music. And you were just like looking, you know, at all these compilations, CDs, vinyls, yeah. and you had these names and then you didn't see them anywhere. So you had the possibility to go check them out at a, you know, at a rave or in a club near you. That was like magical. Yeah. You know, there was such a distance between you and the audience. And uh, it was very hard to break through. So I think if you, if you were a name, then... You only got bigger. Yeah. I think that's why you know why and when legends like Tiesto and and Carl Cox were created, because um, 
you know, there wasn't as much competition because uh, there wasn't as much space no. for people to grow. I can, I think nowadays, like DJs, producers are very anxious because it's like, I got, there's so much out there's there. There's a lot, yeah. Um, you know, it, and at the same time, it's easier because you can just buy, you know, you can just rip, uh, you know, some software from the internet, <laughs> crack a few plugins. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a shitload of, you know, presets and, yeah, and yeah, sample yeah, packs. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. You can become a producer. Yeah. Um, so on one hand, it's easier. On the other hand, like if it's easier, more people are doing it. And back then, less people were doing it. So like you were really, if you knew how to do it, you really sought after uh, as a producer. And that was a great time because um, you really had sort of, you know, if you had skin in the game, yeah. it meant there was longevity and you could build a career. But did you have time to to enjoy it yourself? Because you started so young. Uh, th 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 have you ever gone to a party and 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 well, have fun, had fun with your friends yourself? No, I mean I'm not really a party guy. No, exactly. Honest, you you know? know, like I don't really I don't really enjoy going that to raves. No. Or I'm a pretty I'm a I'm a hermit. You know, I stay I stay inside most of the times. And I think li people know little about you know who I really am as a person because um, I hide my private life. I don't really yeah. do many many interviews. Um, and I think. It's interesting because yeah, at the, at the same time, like in your own country, if you look at it, you're like, on paper, you're a superstar yeah. compared to all the other musical artists in the country. You have way more, yeah, yeah, well, you know, the, followers, the, the, way more listens, way more plays, exactly. way more bigger concerts. You're the, you're the most listened producer uh, of this time. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, I don't see it like that. I'm still that kid, that nerd that lives in my parents' attic, and yeah, I'm still like. I'm not where I want to be and I'm st I still want to create and I still think I can do better, you know? So I'm still striving to make better things and I still haven't made. You have this, I, I, I love, I wrote this down because I really love this. It's a really in, in, in inspire, inspirational uh, quote. Um, you can just carely expect things from the universe. Uh, so you, you are really... Uh, a tough guide uh, uh, for yourself. You, 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 yeah. You're really uh, yeah, hardworking uh, man. Well, I, I think it started from uh, when I was like eight or nine years old. My mom took me to the hospital and the doctor basically said I was going to, you know, I wasn't going to be old. So he's like, you're going to, you have heart failures, lung failures. So make the most out of your life. Um, so there I was like, you know, I was like, okay, what can I do? What What can I sacrifice? So I really feel, you know, like um, if you want to, if you want to achieve greatness, you have to sacrifice in a great way. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I'm not, um, there's, that's just a part of me and it will never change. No. I think, you know, I think. You never smoked, you never uh, drunk. Uh, alcohol. No, 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 absolutely. Um, that's... Because your body is your temple. And if yeah, you, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I need to. I was like, I've given a, you know, they gave me a car and the car is, you know, has trouble. So I don't know how far it will get me, but I'm going to drive as careful as I can. And I'm going to, um, you know, at the, and at the same time, put my foot on the gas pedal. But it must be hard because, well, like you mentioned, you, you, you played before Chesto, Armin, uh, Ferry Corsten, and, and well, those guys and other DJs in the whole scene, I can imagine because you were uh, the young kid were like, Hey, Don, uh, here you've got, well, whatever. Uh, oh yeah, oh that must be hard because that, yeah because I can imagine that you think okay well uh, maybe it's nice to uh, well uh, to take it to drink it or whatever yeah but that was never really an option for me no because <laughs> in the back of my mind it was like 
who am I? I'm just a small kid from a small village, uh, you know, an average guy, uh, you know, with a decent amount of talent. So I need to work hard uh, to, you know, to persevere and hopefully achieve, achieve something that, you know, is bigger than myself. And yeah. I, I, my only goal was to make other people happy. And I like seeing people, other people smile and enjoy. Um, and that gives me joy. I don't really necessarily enjoy going on a holiday or spending time uh, sitting on a couch watching Netflix or um, doing, I guess, things You want like, to give people a, a great time. Yeah, a great time. And at the same time, I think before I, I leave this planet, there's just a couple of things that I think I want to share with the world. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm always in a rush. Like, people always tell me, like, even my friends are like, we're not in a rush. We're going out, we're going out to dinner, <laughs> but you're running literally running to that restaurant the reservation is like bum, bum, bum. but i'm like i i can't stop myself i'm always like you know doing everything full of energy yeah yeah times two and and i think mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's yeah in, in a way it's it, it took me a few years before i got to that place where the guys we just mentioned mm-hmm. were so it was yeah. like and i think most of my life um there was a lot of um i feel like there was like a lot of um opportunity or like a lot of um, people were like, oh, you're going to be big one day. And if then you don't get big and you're like, you're 13, you release your first record when you're 14. And between age 14 and 28, nothing happens. And yeah, all your yeah, friends yeah. have jobs that are getting, you know, into the more serious life. You're like, snap, what, you know, like, I still feel like I can, you know, I can do this. And I think in my own country, I was kind of already, you know, I was a bit like, you know, I did everything I pos- yeah. possibly do. Uh, and people were looking at other names. So I was like, well, this can't be the end of it. That's a bit of an anti-climax. So, um, so I came up in my mind with this plan, uh, which was like a six or seven year plan that I decided not to tell anyone. And I would just meticulously um, kind of just execute it without people knowing. And that's why I am where I am now. That's insane. That's uh, okay. We, we're gonna t- talk about. That's a whole different it. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, was there a moment because, uh, like you mentioned, you started uh, as a producer, uh, and was there a moment uh, you really thought, okay, this DJ thing, uh, and and of course uh, the producer, it's going to be my job. It's going to be my full time thing. Or, or well, it's actually crazy that you say that, yeah, because uh, in my mind it never was. No. No, it was like, I wanted to make films. I, I studied journalism. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to make, you know, I wanted to write books. I was like, um, I was pretty good at school. So my parents were like, you got to finish an education. Um, I think in my year, I was like the only guy, the guy that, only guy in the whole country who had like zero mistakes in the Cito toots. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Which so, is uh, the, the big toots. Uh, it's like a yeah. big test you take. Test, so yeah, like, yeah. so like everybody always looked at me like, you know, he's good. And I was like competing national championship checkers while I was also competing world championships, uh, BMXing, flying yeah. around the world. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. it was like a, a big sort of like pool of potential. And I felt like everything just didn't work out. So I was like, the guy that just didn't make it. You know, and oh man, you're so hard for you. <laughs> I don't know, you know. So it's like, uh, yeah, maybe I set my bar too high. Yeah, well, um, that's uh, well, yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, at one point it was like, uh, I'm making music, and man, people seem to like this. And then I kept putting out more records, and then I, I went through so many shady record labels, uh, agents and managers that took yeah. advantage of me. I was like, I don't know if I could 
how you know how can you make a living of making music or or DJing and then um you know for the biggest part of my beginning of the career was I was just making music I wasn't performing when I started performing I was like oh you can make some money with this um and I think from there I think up until maybe a few years ago I didn't even I didn't consider this to be a full-time job I was waiting for it to be over I was like let's just I, I always felt like I went to the casino right put everything on red put everything on black and and and, it, and just it came back to me yeah I was like okay now and then I, I lost everything again and I was like okay now this is it's over um I'm gonna move back into my parents house and figure out what I'm gonna do but I'm before I do that I make one more record and then poof, that record explodes so it's like um it what just, a trip. it kept chasing me you yeah. know like it was like I never had a choice no I never it was never a dream for me to become a big DJ or whatever like like whatever like these guys pressing buttons standing in these booths in you know at a rave but not even uh at, at, during the time you were uh playing with with Chesto Arm in a ferry I think then no 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 I mean okay I mean let's be honest like DJing is seen as the like the lowest common denominator of uh creative art you know like wow what are you what are you saying now though? no no I'm not saying that I that's the way I feel about it but it's, oh, okay. that's the way the world looks at it you know like There's no, we're not in a museum, you know. We we there are no, there are no criti critically acclaimed documentaries or books about us. They're all like mm, or movies. So it's there's yeah. not, it's you know there there are about but musicians that's or painters. That's, that, that's. It's changing, but you know at the same time, um, I don't know. Maybe it might be a generational thing, but at the same time, this has been around for so long, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to change. And I think people don't really see us as artists, and uh, despite. The fact, you know, like that you are making art, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, it's not just the music. In my, in my case, I felt like I needed to, I needed to be across. Like I grew up with like Freddie Mercury, mm -hmm. Prince, David Bowie. So these yeah. were like they expressed themselves. You yeah. know, I think in the beginning of my career, I was expressing myself too much. I remember the first video I have made. Uh, this music video was called, called "Useless." It was yeah. Like a whole political statement yeah, 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 like yeah, an animation yeah, yeah, that we yeah, worked yeah, on yeah, for yeah, almost yeah. a year oh man i still remember that and yeah. i was like i was like oh and then they're like so this is about like the society how everything is becoming one and it's hard to be an individual yeah. and stand up for yourself and everyone's like fuck you talking about man i'm a you know just i want to have a good time and just like yeah I was like, oh snap, yeah, no, I don't know. I just I wanted to express myself. I wanted to make aesthetically nice things, and I wanted to have messages in the music. But have you ever thought about the fact that, well, you're a part of music history? You know, I th I, I only think about the now and what is coming after. I don't really look back because I don't and I don't want to say that I played a role in anything. You know, I think if people perceive it that way, that's great. But at the same time, uh, I don't feel worthy yet. You know, no. like. I But, know I've made a lot of music and I played a lot, you know, I think now with what I've done with this creating this new genre, yeah. I think it's a different story, uh, you know, because I can blatantly hear people copying my sound and there's like hundreds of sample packs and presets with my name in it. Yeah. So it's pretty evident. But yeah. at the same time, um, I think even back then I, I, when I was making these, these, you know, hardcore records and I was like, uh, you know, people got influenced by that. And I think there was an interview in Mixmag at the time Uh, they did a, an article about the um, sort of origins of dance music. Yeah. And they kind of traced everything back to who did what, when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
And at the time, I was making like electro. I was like in that whole kind of like electro new, you know, yeah. that electro clash scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and they 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 called me up and they were like, "Hey, so we're making this sort of, um, um, you know, this timetable of like who did what when." Carl Cox was at the you know the foundation of. Actually, he was he was seen as one of the godfathers of hardcore because the music oh. he played in the beginning was very hard. Oh. Sven Veit was one of the godfathers of trance because yeah. the music he did. If we if we go back in time, that's you know he was the one kind of like you know came up with that whole thing and, and pushed that but it wasn't called trance yet because everything was i don't know just electronic music yeah um and here comes the kicker so i'm like so why, why are you calling me you know like they're like well uh according to our research you are the uh creator slash sort of um founding father of a sound of the heart style sound so it's like how do you figure so it's like I remember then I, I we took a trip down memory lane because I was maybe like, you know, 17, 18 years old. I left the hardcore scene, but I didn't want to go trance. I didn't want to go um, drum and bass or anything. So I was like, what if I go right in between? It's not as hard as hardcore. No, and not, it's not as fast. Uh, yeah. Not as, you know, melodic or soft as uh, trance. So, so I, you know, and I remember I was approached by this label EMI at the time. They were like, hey, I was going back to school. They're like, hey, you you were really big in the hardcore scene, so are you still making music? I said, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of records, but I don't know where to release it because it's a weird sound. It's new, yeah. It's yeah, I didn't, yeah, and I because back back you know you didn't know what other people were doing back then, so I was like, you maybe you want to take a listen to it. So I got on the train to the Hague. And they were like, we love this, but there's no label we can place this on. So we created a new label, put it out, came up. Um, with a compilation and that, but in that time you still had like compilations. You didn't, if you did a compilation with EMI, you had a, an ad on TV for it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah you know, yeah, it was yeah. a crazy, like, you know, that was, yeah, a, that yeah. was, those were the days. Buy it now. Buy it now. Yeah. Don Diablo, yeah. uh, heart style nation. So, um, <laughs> and by that, you know, and, and that sound didn't really exist. So other producers started calling me, uh, by now, you, uh, I mean, um, someone like Brandon Hart is really big in a heart yeah. style scene. He's kind of like, uh, you know, we became brothers. I remember he called my house one day. He was like, how do you get that kick and that compression and, you know, the side chain on the on the baseline, et, et cetera. So we started talking and, and the movement started erupting and more people started making that sound. And then, you know, Hardstyle was there. It became yeah. huge, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Then I was already, I already moved on. A year later, I was like doing other stuff. I was like, oh, this is great. I mastered how to make this stuff. I'm moving on. Um, and then looking back, I think, you know, it's like, a few years later, they were like, so yeah, so there you go. So how do you feel about creating that genre? I was like, uh, my, you know, I, in, as they say in Dutch, I had my uh, teeth uh, filled with, uh, my mouth filled with my teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you had no idea what to say. You were like, oh, uh, uh, it's like, because well, you were into electro during that days. And, yeah. that, and that's where it gets crazy because you have the thing like what's like music, dance music is divided in levels of coolness. Yeah. So if you get associated with certain things, yeah, then yeah, 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 it's yeah. like, so can you, I was like, can you not write about that maybe? <laughs> you know, like, like it's already written whether you like you participate in this interview or not so i was like oh man uh okay I, I will answer some questions but can you then also mention what i'm doing right no. now because <laughs> yeah, yeah. i thought you know because i finally got accepted in that world yeah um through someone over here uh roy afney who was uh doing these events yeah called uh electro nation uh, exactly yeah, 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 yeah um and that by that time we started a label and we put out a record on it that was like um that's a whole story in itself but yeah. uh um that became a, a massive hit so i 
I'd kind of reinvented myself for the sixth time, you know, at the age of 17. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a crazy, yeah, that was a crazy little twist. So, so you're not only the, 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 the inventor and the founding father of Future House, you're the founding father of Hardstyle. I mean, you yeah. know, I, w- I would never say it like that, but that, yeah. that, that magazine at that time, <laughs> yeah, that's how they, uh, how they circled it back. And I definitely played a big role of creating, you know, in creating yeah. that sound at the time for sure. And, um, you know, I still love, I love it with me. I'm not a music snob. I like listening to, there's no cheesy music. No. There's good music. There's bad music. Yeah. I like when somebody makes an amazing, you know, I love James Blake, you know, but I also love, uh, you know, I like, there's really good heart style out there. There's people mm-hmm. making music with passion. Yeah. And I'm very proud of Brennan Hart. Like, you know, he's, I, I gave him, uh, one of my samplers to work with in oh, the days. Really? And, oh, nice. uh, we became really good friends and I'm really proud of what he's achieved in his scene. He, he, you know, he's kind of built on, he's created his own legacy and we're all musicians. We're yeah. all doing stuff. And at the end of the day, it's, it's either, or it's, you know, well, it doesn't really matter. No, as long as we enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I'm very curious because I ask you uh, for your top five, which is always a bad thing. Never Uh-oh. ask a DJ of a list because, uh, well, next day it will be another list. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but what what are your five classics? Your five favorite floor fillers. That sounds great. Five favorite floor fillers. Uh, I thought it was more like records that influence me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I, sorry, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You asked me which, like, what are five records that, you know, turned you into who you are today? Maybe. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned it before, but I think being a massive Queen fan and yeah. not knowing what electronic music is, hearing another one bites the dust. Yeah. And discovering like how to loop things and how to work with, you know, um, it, implementing electronic, uh, you know, uh, machines into mm-hmm. making music. That's where I first got introduced to that. Uh, kind of music so that was a big you know that record played a big role i think okay uh another record that's such a timeless classic that really really kind of like um inspired me like melodically and even like without with with a small gesture um to make um the music that i'm making today i mean i'm not worthy because this record's an absolutely classic but that record really inspired me to keep making music massive attack unfinished sympathy yeah Yeah, absolutely mind blowing. To this day, it sounds current. Yeah, you know, and um, timeless. I, yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a big Massive Attack fan. Um, Prodigy, no good start to dance. Yeah, I mean that's sort of like that really awoke like that woke the sort of raver in me. Yeah, you know, I saw that video, the black and white video of the warehouse, and I bought it on the single. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. These guys are so fucking cool. And everything just spoke to me. And that really sort of uh, got me going on, like wanting to make electronic music myself in the way, because it it was aggressive. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a, a dark vibe yeah. to it. And Energy, but yeah. Yeah, very raver yeah. Uh, oriented. Apex Twin, Window Liquor. Oh. I'm still scared of that video clip, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that that really inspired me, like, on a level that, you know, it's not just about making music, it's about how to present that music. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and that record was really kind of like, to this day, like, you know, 
the, the OGs in electronic music know that record because of the way it was presented. Yeah. And if you start listening to the record, it's like insanely well produced. Yeah. Um, but it's not just random sounds. There is there is a there's a heart to that track, and it's like that showed me that even if you can't hear it, it's still there. Yeah. That sounds cryptic, but no, I, no, no. I, I know what you're talking about because it's really it's really basic, but it's it's funky as hell. Yeah, and it's just you know there's so much detail in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another record is a is something I just touched on is like I started a label with Roy uh, at the time. He was like. Um, so th- on my journey, I, I, f- I almost feel like it's like a, almost like a biblical kind of journey in a way where mm-hmm. you meet these people. Like I am only the sum of the people that I meet and the people that inspire me and the people that kind of, you know, bring me these lessons. And on that journey, I've lost a lot of, uh, important people, which has also made the case for me more important to make this something meaningful because I, I want... But how do you mean lost? Like, like... Passed away. Uh, oh, really? Passed away. Yeah. Oh, not uh, even uh, go in another direction, but no, no accidents, uh, whatever. No, no. Honestly, I've been I've been surrounded by. Um, it sounds dramatic by by death, you know. Yeah. Um, and with the idea of me not getting old, that kind of just um, that's the 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 engine behind what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing why you were running to a restaurant. Yeah, and I think you know at the time I I Roy was. This amazing human being who yeah. saw this guy who oh, yeah, was stuck. Yeah. Roy passed away, of course. Yeah, yeah. I almost forgot. Yeah. 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 And and Roy um, Oh my god, yeah, yeah, of course. Roy had this talent of seeing people and, yeah. and, and seeing the talent they really because because people, you know, people look at you and they form an opinion. And it, and it's in the dance scene, as open minded as you think we are, we are like we are very narrow minded. Um so when you come from this thing where you're like, you know, you you've been making these types of music you've been making hard style blah blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and then you want to go into a different direction that's not that's not easily accepted no um and roy was like he he saw me he saw the real me he was one of the first people who saw me and he was like you want to listen to this music i'm making he's like this is really good like it's on a level where it's as cool as all of these other guys are doing that are cool in the scene like you had like boys noise uh yeah. you know all of these co- sort of cool retro clash in the electro kind of acts justice yeah um and he was the one that gave me the confidence to do that and we had this record on our label that we put out that nobody believed and i remember i signed i signed it and then i sent oh, it must around. be exceder it was mason exceder yeah 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 yeah. and if you look at it like that's actually early wow. future house and i yeah. remember yeah i printed that record on vinyl and i sent it to everyone and it didn't do anything for months and um yeah, it was crazy, like, how nothing happened, and then all of a sudden, after pushing, 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 I sent it to Fatboy Slim, Daft Punk, they started playing it on the vinyl, and then it started to explode, and um, and all of a sudden, all of these record labels approached me to license the record, they were like, yeah, I think this record you signed, you know, you sent over to us, I think it might work, so we want to sign it for uh, 3,000 euros, uh, or whatever, dollars, I was like, nah, mm. What about 30,000 for just your country? Because we're gonna... And then the next day, we entered the charts at, at number two in the UK. Okay. And it sold over a million copies. Yeah. And then Roy uh, Roy got sicker and sicker, and, yeah. we, and we closed up the label. And that was sort of an, another end of an era 
yeah. for oh, me. He was a great guy. So well, uh, so open-minded. In, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, that's kind of where the whole thing started for me. From I, um, I discovered that part of me uh, that was like more musical. That was like more, um, you know, kind of just as a producer. I was exploring more to the left, more to the right. Mm -hmm. And I started making music for the blogs and I started um, hitting the hype machine. This is a huge blog that kind of aggregated everything that was going on on the internet. Hype machine, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I started hitting number once and everyone was like, who's this guy? So I started producing for other people, started remixing Justice, the Chemical Brothers, um, you know, all of these, you know, the gorillas, all these cool acts. And that's kind of, opened the world for me uh, without you know I, I didn't dj at that time so that's where i learned a lot as a producer and uh my rise in electronic music kind of expanded was that uh the the beginning of your uh, six years uh, uh well uh the the big journey no that was yeah. like right before it yeah okay yeah so this is the the yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. i i i'd left uh i kind of just i didn't in my own country i was perceived in a certain way where you know I wasn't getting played by the radio no. and I was sometimes I, I did sometimes you are the one that's the reason actually if you're listening right now that's the reason why I'm sitting here because <laughs> oh, yeah. you know I don't really like doing these long interviews but uh you and Gerard Ekdom yeah, are the yeah, two yeah. legendary radio DJs <laughs> you had this night like freak night on the yeah. Friday night and you you always played my records and you had this freak uh, freak elf freak, freak elf. 11 yeah and i think i had to, was the artist with the most number yeah, ones yeah absolutely and i think you know you were you were the only ones in my country that saw and respected <laughs> and and kind of just pushed that music so i was like um yeah when you told me about this obviously yeah yeah there's thanks. no way i could say no but uh then um you were like you said uh just the producer and uh, I, I still remember that there was a moment, I don't know how long ago it was, but that you moved to London because you yeah. really had this focus on, well, world domination. No, well, no, or, that, that's oh. the funny thing was, uh, yeah, I mean, I made this, um, I was I was kind of done with music. So I was like, I uh, put out this last, last record called Mazella. Dropping beats in here for Mazella. Making money, taking money for Mazella. That was me just describing. I think it wasn't the freak club. Yeah yeah, 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 of course. That was just me describing, like, "Hey, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm going away." It was like my goodbye note. I bought out my agent, my publisher, my manager. Uh, I had no money. Moved back to my parents' house, uh, and you know, I was a pretty well-known DJ in the Netherlands at the yeah, time. Absolutely. Uh, did, did a lot of big shows. It was, was back to your really uh, uh, early rock, uh, rock roots. Because yeah. Was, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I put that record out and yeah. then it kind of blew up on the internet. I got a phone call from New York, got invited to fly over and meet uh, um, L.A. Reid. It was like one of the biggest uh, people in music. Yeah. So I was like, I'm leaving music. He was like, that's not going to happen. So they offered me a deal with the devil. So I was like, damn, this is going to make me you know, this is going to create opportunities. Yeah. So I ended up moving to London and I was back into the music again because I needed a change of scene because we're talking about Dutch DJs and about history, but to be honest, I was never really inspired that much by no, like okay. what was going on in the no, Netherlands. No. Um, no, your first gig uh, was in England. It was I in just, England yeah. and I was very inspired what was going on in France and in, yeah. and, in, and, in, um, and in England, you know, like those acts really kind of were the acts that I looked up to. Um, 
And then I went into a spiral because I, I signed this huge contract and I had a track with Drake at the time and it, it happened and it didn't happen. I was making music with Ed Sheeran, yeah. working on albums for all big Remixes, pop stars. Rihanna, uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, so all these big things that happened. But I, um, you know, they just, we didn't find the right uh, hit record. And then um, I started producing for other people and I was writing, like, I was sitting just playing songs on the piano with like Boy George at a certain point. It was like, I'm making Christmas songs now. This is pretty <laughs> weird, you know, like very far away from becoming a big DJ yeah. one day. Um, so then I, I, I started making other records, like new records in a new sound. And I think that's sort of laid the foundation for what was Future House now, yeah. for my type of Future House, because it's different directions. Um, and I had this trilogy. It was like Anytime, House Time, Back in Time. Sorry, Anytime, uh, Nighttime, Back in Time. And... Um, Nobody wanted to put that out at the time. And I remember I pl played it to my record label. They're like, yeah, what do we do with this? And then um, my dad became ill. Yeah. Um, ended up losing my father, which was an impactful time in my life. And I had this last conversation with him. And he was like, you know, now is the moment. You've been waiting all of this life. You've been punishing yourself. You you know, and I think... You really punishing yourself? Yeah, that's... that's he He, he said that correct. That's what my dad said. Yeah. You should stop punishing yourself. And I said, like, I don't think I will ever stop doing that. But I mean, this is a way. I found a way for myself to live with myself. So um, that's already great. I go outside and I'm a part of normal social functioning life, you know? Yeah. And this sounds weird, but, you know, I, I you know, I kind of, um, I, I I understand in a, in a way what someone like an Avicii, uh -huh. um, you know, what you can go through in your mind where other people see you as successful And they um, they can't imagine the things that are going on in your head. No, um, no, I, I because of the documentary and 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 uh, well, I talk to you guys uh, a lot. I can imagine how bigger the crowds are, the more empty you feel inside after uh, the party, or, or uh, yeah, because it's 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 a weird situation. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest struggle is with yourself. And then you have yeah. all these external things around you. You have a manager yeah. and there's like an agent and there's a publisher and yeah. there's a record label and there's like fans and there's haters and there's the internet and there's like, yeah. oh, whole machine. Yeah. everybody has an opinion and you're just like a guy pressing buttons. So it's like, what, who am I? Um, so it's hard to distinguish yourself, especially from Holland. So because I was a nobody in a way in the Netherlands because we had all these big DJs. So it's great because we have a culture But at the same time, it's very hard to stand out in a country where we've all these DJs are yeah. all massive, yeah. and I'm not even in the in the top 100. Not that the top 100 is, you know, the end all and be all, but it's it's a way for the Netherlands to kind of categorize artists. Like, yeah, well, you know, he's a top 10 DJ, yeah. so he yeah. must be big. So it was a very weird time, and um, you know, I think. Um, yeah. So, but your 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 uh, father's uh, last words. We're really like, okay, grab the moment, do it. Grab the moment, do it. And I, I saw the vision and I, I the record label didn't understand it. I was back at that point again because I had that, I was at that crossroads many times. So I started releasing records behind the back of my record label, <laughs> kind of just illegally, do I guess. Yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and those records started exploding. So I had a number one on the beatport for the first time. And then I had another one, another one. I was like, snap, this is like, There's a tangible thing here happening, happening here. So I begged my record label to, you know, I want to get out of my deal. And uh, I said, because I'm, I'm, you know, going towards maybe making something out of this thing called music. 
And then, you know, I started like, I remember, um, you know, it was uh, Jorn at the time at Spinner and he said like, don't change your sound now. This is the sound. Keep going at it. This will be the sound for the next couple of years. And I, you know, I, I really knew that deep down inside. My father had told me and other people around me started saying, this is, this is it. Yeah. You're onto something. And I think I've had records that did well, but I like, you know, being at the foundation of something that becomes bigger than you, that makes you bigger. Yeah. And that's when I ended at 82 that year, went to 30, 15, 11, seven. So I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. Like, and now we're sitting here, but I'm still in a state of mind where I'm like, I'm a literally like a nobody Oh my God. To the yeah. point where I want to, you know, I don't want, this is not where I want to be yet. I'm, no, no, no. Okay. But I see the mountain. Yeah. And that's something. I know that I need to climb the mountain and that hopefully at the top of the mountain, I don't know what's there, but I'm searching for it. And maybe, uh, you know, uh, but I don't see, you know, this. you ask a question, do I see myself, how do I feel about contributing something yeah. to this whole thing? Um, I don't know. No. It's really weird. I don't think about it at no. all. It's like everything just goes by me. It's like it literally, the only thing I'm worried about is that the next show is the best show I can do and that the next record is the best record I've made. And I think I still have about 160 songs on my hard drive that I made that nobody will ever hear. <laughs> That's a shame. Uh, what, what are the most, uh, or the productions you're most proud of? You mentioned uh, myself. Uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily proud of that production. Oh, well, but I mean, why not? I mean, it's it's a cool record it's in the pure. sense that it's 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 me expressing myself, yeah. and I, I I actually recorded those vocals in one go because it was like I was so angry with the world at the time uh, that I was like, I need to do this for myself, you know, yeah. and I need to do it. So I did the whole record is in English except that one word because I felt like that was like I just kept saying the word myself. I need to think about myself, um, and that's where that record came from. So in a way, I'm proud of that record. Um, I did have it removed from the internet. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's it's floating out somewhere there, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, because I've... Sometimes you just do things and people don't, don't... It's not easy for them to rhyme one thing with the other. No. I think a lot of the DJs that you'll be interviewing are very consistent or, you know, you you know what you get. Yeah. But, but for me, it's like... I think that's why promoters were always scared of booking me because it was like... What is he playing gonna, this you know, What's he going to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember playing a dubstep set like like post, uh, you know, it was like, this was like a whole, no, this was like pre uh, sort of explosion. Yeah. Um, I was playing a, you know, a dubstep set on this, you know, this village square in Eindhoven in the south of Holland. And the people left and people like, the fuck is this music? It's like robots attacking. No, 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 yeah, it's I was like, like this is going to be big guys one day. Like, trust me. And it didn't work. And I think, um, yeah. Um, but in all the styles, uh, from hard style to electro to future house, is there like a, a signature element? Uh, yeah, I think like if you 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 ask me like what are my five records that uh, I look back on and yeah. have had certain impact in my career, maybe um, there was a record I did called Animali. Yeah. Um, it was funny because in that story was like I was gonna go into the studio with uh, like Afrojack was gonna come to my studio, and you know he was way bigger than I was, so I was like a bit like nervous. So I was like, maybe I should do a little bit of pre work. Not even in length, but in yeah, in all status. different ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I was like, I wanna you know prepare a little bit, and then he just like while I, I was preparing, I didn't notice like the time was flying, and we like three hours in. I was like, I don't even know he's coming anymore. And then he, you know, I got a text message like, I need to go to, L to 
Ibiza oh. for this uh, quick like for the show with Gera. Yeah. And then you know, I was like, oh snap! But I was working on it as this idea, and I, I started you know using this sort of futuristic sounds, and um, I the, a lot of their records based on me using my vocals uh, as a foundation. I think nowadays vocal chops are very it's standard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's where I started using uh, vocal drop chops on the drops. And this is like, you know, almost 10 years ago. So now it's like, you can't, you know, you can't escape a record, you know, no, with a vocal yeah, chop yeah. on the drop. Every, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that record was influential yeah, for me as a like producer. Great track, yeah. I think another record that kind of like got me out of where I was when I lost my father was a record called Give It All. Uh, it, it definitely was, it was not one of my biggest records, but it was a, a record that kind of kind of worked, kind of worked a bit cleansing for my mm -hmm. soul, I guess. Because it was a bit weird after losing your father, just come out with a record. Mm -hmm. It's like it's a straight up party record. So I I made this record. Um, initially, I'd written this record with, uh, where it had Drake on it and Labyrinth and KDB. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up, you know, I had to release this record and all these things happened. And uh, I signed to the, you know, competing label. So Drake was like, I'm Universal, you're with Sony, I'm jumping off. So then Labyrinth jumped off and then KDB. So I, again, I just had an instrumental. <laughs> So that making of that record was, it took me two years to make that record. It ended up having uh, Alex Clare, yeah. uh, who had a massive hit at the time, um, with, and uh, Khalees on the record. Yeah. Uh, and that record, I, I, I needed that record to be personal, both from, for me as for them. So I had Khalees talking about, you know, relationship with her father, and I spoke with Alex Clare. Uh, he had a number one hit in America at that time with Too Close. Yeah. And um, he wanted, you know, everybody wanted to work with him. But he chose me, so that was very special for me. And um, so he came to my house in London. We spoke, uh, we we recorded, we wrote, and that verse. If you listen to the record, um, it's a story. You know, it's I'ma give it all, um, and it's really a record about that that really worked for me in that period as sort of a medicine. And I think another record that um, was very important to me was a record called The Artist Inside. Again, not a record that people, a lot of people would know outside of the Netherlands. Um, no, I'm thinking about, uh, I think I know. I remember I, I was in, um, it, this was a song that's 100% about my father. Yeah. Um, I and, think we talked about this. Um, we might have. During yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, needed a, I, needed a, I needed a way to express how I felt. And I needed, you know, the best way to express, express yourself is through music. And... Um, I discovered this guy, like this open mic thing. He's like, this guy has an amazing voice. So I was like, you want to sing on this record? His name was J.P. Cooper. Yeah. Um, obviously now he's, you know, yeah, yeah, massive. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was the fun about living, you know, about living in London. You kind of just, you know, today's nobodies are tomorrow's stars. Yeah. Right? Um, so yeah, we made this song and, and I think that was the first time I was perceived to be not just a producer, but a, a human being. You know, somebody okay. 
that's kind of when I discovered more and more about like, I should be opening up. I should be speaking about certain things and things that I feel I should put more of myself into the music and have real messages. So that record, the artist inside is really about, uh, you know, what my father meant to me. And, um, yeah, I'm very proud of that record. And that was actually in the top 10 funeral music. Really? Uh, yeah. Most played records at funerals in that year. So wow. the red, the letters that I got, they didn't go from, well, yeah, I, I danced all night to your music. It was like, um, hundreds of letters of just people like, my dad passed away last night, didn't know what to say to him because, you know, guys amongst each other, but I played him your record. We looked at each other, I held his hand, we cried. Wow. And that was the last thing we did. And that really was like, I made this now, I did. If I, if I die now, that's fine. Like, I'm really proud yeah. of this. And anything that comes after is bonus. And that's when everything fell off my shoulders. Yeah, okay. I was like, wow. that's that sort of opened the doors for me to kind of do what I do right now. So a very important record. And then, I think there's sort of, you know, like those records I mentioned, Anytime, Back in Time, and Nighttime, that trilogy. Yeah. Uh, again, it was based around the concept of time because I didn't, you know, after my father passed, I realized how precious time is and that, you know, it's the most valuable thing on this planet. Yeah. And we don't value it. So as small as I could, I that was like built around that concept. And then those records blew up. And I think... That's the start of the whole Future House. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um yeah. Of of my style of future house, yeah, absolutely the melodic version, um, and I think that was expanded on by a record I did called On My Mind. That was when everything kind of just went crossover for me. Yeah, that was a record that you know went went to radio like got like a shitload of plays and like went big yeah um and that kind of cemented the foundation for the melodic version of future house that i do because you you know obviously uh there's different again this is dance music right it's like yeah, a very yeah. niche if you're listening to this you're like there's acid, acid fusion jazz all these labels <laughs> all these genres oh yeah whatever so it's like bass house yeah. there's like you know progressive yeah. house trance so but I think, yeah, like um, right now it's very evident. Like if I look back at it, that record was a foundation for, you know, bringing back the piano house, bringing, you know, and and mixing that with vocal chops. And yeah. um, that's a sound that's now super big. Um, and I'm very, actually, yeah, I will own that in this interview. I'm very proud of, of, you know, being, you know, the person that maybe was, a part of creating that absolutely well everybody uh, will agree you are the founding father of future house or, or yeah no doubt about that and it's funny when because when you put out an album it's like and you try to experiment people are like oh we miss the old don yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh yeah. but what old don do you miss the guy yeah. that was like 15 yeah, sitting in his crying himself asleep in his yeah. room or the guy that was making trance or hardcore yeah. gabber so and that and the funny thing was like uh, or or like sad face, no more future house. I'm like, mm, yeah. I mean, I like to put out music, and, yeah, exactly. But at this point in time, I'm I have three records in the future house top five right now. It's it's a remix for Panic at the Disco. Yeah. It's it's a collab I did, and it's an original. So how many more? Like, you Mom. really want to have like five records in the top five? Yeah. Let me express myself. 
And if you're a fan, <laughs> listen to the music. If you don't yeah. like it, listen I don't go into. Else. I don't go into a. No, whatever. Do you ever go into a store? Like you run into a random store and go like, ha ha, I don't like your uh, stool, or like ha ha ha, I don't like that dress. And then you run out. Yeah. You never do that. Yeah, that's like that's the internet. Like yeah. I never comment on stuff that yeah. I don't like. No, It's like. No, no. Why? I mean, just move on with your life, like But, you know. And so. my question was. Uh, uh, Sorry, I died. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, of all the of all the productions <laughs> you've mentioned, um, is There's there like so a, many. is there yeah? But is there like one signature thing, or if you if you think about uh, it now, you think oh well, there's always this. I to be honest, I don't know if if there is. Like, yeah, yeah. So I think it's um, looking back on it, like productionally, the sound is always great. But um, yeah, I mean, right now it's obviously it's all the futuristic yeah, elements, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think. If you listen to Ani Mali, that already sounds very futuristic. Yeah. And one of those elements is the focal chop. You know, yeah. like I've been moving away from it a little bit because, you know, everybody started doing everybody, it. Yeah, yeah. But at that time, in every remix that I did, I used to take, you know, the acapella and then chop it up. And then, so that used to be, and even for my music, uh, I used to use my own vocals. What I did, I record all these, you know, I was just singing all day in my studio. Mm -hmm. And then I stacked the vocals and then I auto-tuned the vocals and ran it through a guitar amplifier that created a sound and then I started chopping that up and you got all these weird harmonies and that is the basic foundation for a record like um, Animali. Yeah. But at that time, I also started using a vocoder into, you know, um, a vocoder, if, if you don't know what it is, it's like kind of um, a synthesized way of making your voice sound like a, uh, like a, like a, keyboard or a yeah. synthesizer your voice sounds like the like a melody the thing you press yeah yeah so obviously i'm not the guy that invented that but uh i i did bring that back into absolutely yeah. uh, into the sound of the way it's used now yeah um so i think those are trademark things in my know like uh, if you listen to a record like uh take your place i used the drop is a vocoder vocal you know that's how far i went <laughs> Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't just a stylistical, stylist, uh, stylistical thing that I did for you know one song. It's something I kept using over and over and yeah. over for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, there's a bunch of stuff there. Yeah. But I also think the piano. You know, the yeah. way uh, yeah. bringing back that sort of piano and layering that with one sort of synthy sound. I think that's the foundation of my version of Future House. Yeah. And then the question. Um, Holland is a really small country. Um, have you any idea why our dance music and our DJs are so successful all over the world? Because we're a bunch of critical motherfuckers out here. You know, like we don't take, mm. you know, it's we're hard on each other out here. We don't pat each other on the back. We don't, you know, compliment each other that much. Oh, okay. Um, we're very, very hard. And it's like, it's very hard to impress someone. So you need to work hard. And then you go outside, you're like, When I play in my own country, it's tough, man. It's tough. Like, that's why I don't really show up outside anymore. I only do my own concerts. I'm afraid, man. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you just randomly go somewhere and you you perform and like, you know, you like I've had times where I'm like, oh my God, what am I? It felt like I was at a funeral. Yeah. Like people didn't move. <laughs> Sometimes I look at footage. I look at like King's Day footage or something. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, it feels like people, do you really want to be here? Yeah. yeah like you yeah. don't have, nobody's forcing you. Um, unless oh. somebody plays like a like a really famous hit record or yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, gives them instructions to do something, 
Oh, yeah, and then you and go... You have this thing called the Houten Hollanders. So the, the, the Dutchies made from wood. They, they aren't moving. I mean, it's it's tough, man. It's that's yeah, it's tough out there. So and yeah, at the same okay. time, I mean, I love my country. That's why I, did, I never moved. I'm here. I love Holland. I love um, you know everything about the country and the people that live in it. Okay. Yeah. That brings us to my uh, last question, actually. Uh, how, how do you want to be remembered? Oh wow, that's a very deep question. Um, I, yes, oof, let me think about that for a second before I answer that. Um, um, poo. How do I want to be remembered? Why do you throw that one on the, on the... Well, in, because, in the yeah, because, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, you almost... I, I, I mean, it's very simple. I want to be remembered as a guy that puts smiles on a lot of people's faces during his life other you know i that's at the end of the day you can't take anything with you no you can't take money with you you can't take honor pride you no. can't take credit no, that's really and 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 of course uh, that's that's the good answer and and it's your answer but if oh, you're I, talking about musically exactly oh, okay, if okay. i talk about yeah. don diablo uh, the artist don diablo the artist um founding father of hard style <laughs> <laughs> and future house and maybe well whatever new uh genre is coming up in the next 20 years um no i, I guess i just like to remember as i'd like to be remembered as an as an artist rather than just a dj not just a dj maybe the artist maybe i was a guy you know I'm yeah the artist inside yeah absolutely thank you so much for your time don it was a pleasure uh and uh um yeah, well, yeah, you're a great guy, I have to say, and 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 you are Thank an you. artist, and and uh, also, and I hope that inspire a lot of uh, young producers or DJs or artists, whatever, uh, that uh, don't take the easy road. Yeah, exactly. Look yeah. at just take these yeah, baby yeah. steps and look at just just fail. Yeah, just do it and fail. Get on that skateboard, skateboard of life. Fall flat on your face. You know, let the bruises heal, get up on it again and do that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Then you can do anything you want. Yeah. And looking think, looking forward to the documentary uh, you're you. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's uh, I hope, seven uh, years in the making. So. I hope it has this same feeling because it's, it's well, it, give, uh, it gives people a lot of inspiration, I guess. Hopefully uh, so. So thanks again. Uh, and thanks for listening, of course. Share this podcast among your friends. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to contact me. Uh, Twitter is at uh, Giels. That's uh, G-I-E-L-S. It's the OG. Oh, Giel van Beelen. Oh, yeah. Giel Beelen, sorry. <laughs> Giel Beelen, people you don't, you don't know. <laughs> she, she did that rap thing. Y'all don't know, motherfuckers. It's the OG. Yeah. We created this We're shit. Back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Legends. <laughs> More episodes uh, coming up. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. God, so it Ah, jongens. Leuk. Lekker lullen jij, hoor. God, so Baas. Echt top, hoor. As you heard, uh, and maybe you don't understand it because it was Dutch, but we were having fun at the end because it was a great recording and uh, it was a long recording, actually. I hope you liked it. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to you. Shout out to Don Diablo. If you have a question for Don, let me know. I will uh, give it to, to him. So Twitter is G-I-E-L-S. And of course, a shout out to these guys over here. 
the brand new uh, Rocket G4 studio monitor of KRK. Thank you so much. And next week, we have two guests because there are both like one. Ski and Dobre, René and Gaston. Maybe you know them as Chocolate Puma. 